Thank you. Thank you for leading us in worship. Thank you for joining us in worship. It's amazing to be in God's house with you. So good to be following what God is telling us in our life and to be obedient to Him and what He is doing. He's amazing. He really is. We welcome you that are joining us online. We are meeting in person. Come and join us. All right. So church, the God's amazing. He's so good. Been singing some really good stuff in our worship, right? Sometimes when we, uh, like, the Lord made me aware of my music many years ago, and I've shared with y'all, and you don't have to follow this. This is just Dave talking to you, okay? I don't listen to any secular music at all. I don't. And there's a reason for it in my life that I don't. For one thing, when I wasn't living for God, music was a way for me to uh, live out my rebellion and my sin. Because the music I listened to promoted that lifestyle, right? So I was engaged in that and uh, heavy metal rock and all that good stuff that's out there. and Not good stuff, but you know what I mean, that stuff that's there. And I, um, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I stopped listening to that music right away. Well, then I started listening to a different style of music, you know, because being raised like I was, um, you know... There was more emphasis on the appearance and what was happening and not happening than anything. And because uh, most rock and rollers look like freaks, and they do, uh, you know, it was this, the music itself was wrong. And so, therefore, I just attributed that and just owned it and just started listening to something else. And one day, I was, um, I was listening to some music that was more easy listening, and I was singing the song because, you know, you get used to hearing that stuff, but you're not even conscious of what you're doing. And I began to sing these songs, and the Holy Spirit just said, Are you listening? And I was like, Wow, I just sang that. It's talking about, you know, leaving my wife, having, you know, a party with my friends, and so you probably already know what style music that was. <laughs> Didn't say anything about losing my truck. If you didn't know, now you do. All right, so anyway. <laughs> As I was listening and the Spirit of God began to speak to me about that, I was like, okay, you know, I really do need to pay attention to what I'm putting in myself at all times. And so I began to transition away from that uh, and just cut it off in my life. So there's a reason I'm saying that to you because today as we sing in worship, we can kind of do the same thing where we just hear it, sing words, we're reading it on the screen and we're singing it. But you do understand that when we're speaking those words we are declaring something and we're speaking to God, we're worshiping God and God is challenging us, right? You do know that, I hope. And so if you were disengaged during worship at any point, I want to refresh your mind about something. It's important that God has laid in my heart as we were worshiping. You see, God turns, you know, ashes into beauty, life and all that stuff and bones into armies. That's all biblical scripture. Like the power of God is real. And God and God alone can do the things that God does. And so as we were singing that and talking about that, declaring that to God, knowing that he's the God of the impossible, that he can do anything, that God does these things and all that, then we were declaring that miracles break out when we open our mouth. Some people got uncomfortable the first time we sang that song here in this church. Like, you know, why are we singing that? What's that saying? Well, it's because, see, God has given us... His power and presence. Remember what Jesus said, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive power and be my witnesses. Not just power to be my witnesses, but power 
and be my witnesses. And so therefore, God is doing something, and God wants to do it through our lives. So we need to embrace Him, live in that fullness of obedience in everything that He does. So let me remind you of a biblical story that is not in my notes, and I know my time, so stay with me. (laughs) Exodus, right? When God sent Moses to set the people free from uh, Egypt, and He went in, if you recall the story of the ten plagues, the first three plagues, the magicians and the sorcerers of Egypt mimicked. The rod, the serpent. There it is. The, the, the sorcerers. Remember, the devil comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. So he's trying to manifest and show the power he has to mirror God. So then they do it. So then Pharaoh's like, nothing. My guys do that too. Pick it up. Let's move on. Right? Then the blood. Yep, they could do that. Then the frogs. Yep, they can do that. But number four was gnats. Those pesky little bugs that are in your face (laughs) and God spoke through Moses and did this and so Pharaoh immediately calls his magician sorcerers and says do it you know what God's word says they could not but I'm going to read something to you here this is this is God's word and this is the declaration of the enemy who is direct opposition to who God is though he wants to be God and mocks him all the time hear this church listen Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts, but this time they failed. And the gnats covered everyone, people and animals alike. Now listen to this declaration. Hear it. This is the finger of God, the magicians exclaimed to Pharaoh. This is the finger of God. It's who he is. This is God we're talking about. You know, the enemy can only go so far. He wants you to believe his, his lies and all this stuff, but there's a limit to what he can do, and there is no limit to what our God can do. No limit to what God can do. Church, as I get ready to speak to you this morning and the message, it, I mean, it's just God how he does stuff, you know? He's amazing, always amazing. There's a couple things I need to share with you. First is that we had another wedding last Sunday. (laughs) I'm not sure who's coming up here today, but I know that it's been like every Sunday. Carlos and Lori attend the the second service, and uh, he originally came to us through Gospel Rescue Mission, and he and Lori and the kids have been, you know, he's been graduated for a long time now and been part of our congregation, and it's so cool what God's doing in their lives. And uh, he came up to me after the service again, just like the week before with you guys, exactly the same thing. Said, you know what? We have a license at home. We've already let one expire. We have another one. It's going to expire. We have rings. We keep having excuses. We want to get married and do what God's asking us to do. And so I say, go get it, man. I mean, what what am I going to say? Yeah, well, let's schedule that. No, go get it. Let's do it. All right? God's awesome. So uh, just so you're aware and so you know where we're at as we're looking at what God says to us today that I had uh, meetings in San Diego this week that we had to go to for the church and uh, we were out there and I got a text from another couple in our church saying, hey, we want to get married. We're going to get that. They didn't have a license. They're getting it this week and next Sunday after church, we're going to do their wedding. Yeah. So yeah, there's a reason I'm telling you all this. I mean, there's a reason God's doing something, right? 
And I want to share with you what God's doing and the purpose of what I'm saying here. So um, another couple had told me they were going to get married for a long time. And then they were like saying it's going to happen in the fall. It's going to happen. Well, maybe it's going to happen. Finally, they were like, all right, you know what? After that message and she got baptized, that wedding was planned and it's going to happen this Friday. So we'll have two more weddings this week. And uh, counting the one next Sunday. Now, there is a reason why I'm seeing all of this. Not because we're becoming a wedding chapel and I don't want to be one. All right. Church, you got to hear me. This is so, so, so important. Because for one thing, I don't know who all in here is married or not married and who's living together or who's doing what. God does. Right? And so when the message comes forth from God's word about what God says about relationships and the Holy Spirit speaks to people's lives and they move in obedience to God, God blesses that and it works. Here's the important thing. If I knew you were living wrong, and Dave was like, uh-uh, we're not doing this. I come over to you and say, you're living wrong. You need to change this, this, and this in your life. Do that. And it's Dave. It doesn't work. The only way Dave comes and says something into your life is when the Holy Spirit says, you need to go talk to them about that. And I have. But, church, this is so important for us because when we see other people not living in obedience to God and we begin to say, I won't be around them or I won't do this, you've got to listen to what God's saying because when we let the Holy Spirit work in people's lives, things change and they work because God's doing the work. I was raised in a church that told you exactly what you were supposed to do and not do and be like and look like to be a Christian. And it was full of bondage and legalism and it was not liberating. So church, what I'm trying to get us to see is when we make a statement at the beginning of the service, we're not a perfect church or a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. And He's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we make a statement like that, we're not saying, hey, just live how you want to. It's okay to just do what you want. No. It's saying, hey, I'm a mess and broken. And I'm here because I know I need God's help and He's bringing me into this relationship that is the fullness of Christ and God's working in my life. And we need to leave room for God to work in other people's lives. There are people here, church, yeah man, that's what it's all about. It's what He's saying. There are people here living in outright sin right now. It's not okay. It's not okay. But God's faithful. The reason I would say to you at the very beginning of this is saying like, I, Dave, don't listen to secular music. That's not saying nobody in this room should listen to secular music. That's called legalism. That's me dictating to you how you should live your life for God. There are black and white things in Scripture that you need to follow and I need to follow and that's just straight up. But I know what God says to me. It's okay for some of you to have a drink of alcohol. It is. It's not for me. Alright? See, that's because the Holy Spirit says, Dave, you're a mess. You can't handle that. Don't even try. Right? No, I'm being serious, church. Because, see, there's no end to that for Dave because he's an all-in guy. He's all about whatever's happening. I'm like, dive in, baby. Don't just, like, put a toe in. Just go. You know? So God's like, you can't handle yourself. You have no ability to restrain. Therefore, you will not. And I will not. Follow me? See, it's obedience to the Spirit of God and what God is doing. 
We need to align our lives to what God says to us clearly in Scripture and then allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work on us individually to become everything Jesus died to make us. There is a work of God that is happening, church. I want you to know that. I want you to see it. It's not just that people are making vows to one another. There is an obedience that is happening to God. In all my years of ministry, I have never, ever seen this. That's not the first time I preached about marriage. You know that. That's not the first time I talked about love. God is love. We have preached that truth over and over again through the years. But somehow the ears were open. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God that is saying to us, step up, step in, be the church, be who I died to make you. Church, we will see people come out of sinful lifestyles, life choices and brokenness. Those miracles, that is true miracle. Church, it's not... (laughs) Look, I, I pray for everybody as I go by. I see people in wheelchairs and walkers, and I'm like, Jesus, you would fix them. I want to fix them. And in my heart, I know that it's beyond that because church, so many that Jesus touched never changed. You follow me? Like, they got a healing. There are people that get healings that never change. People are going to be healthy and go to hell. God would rather have them crippled and go to heaven. Why are we so hung up with the physical? We're the church. I am going to preach my message. It's God's word, right? It all ties together. I know. I don't know how. I never do. I'm just like, well, God, you got to do something because this looks like a mess to me. (laughs) Luke chapter 9 this is Jesus talking he says to the crowd if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross daily and follow me do you see how that ties in none of that stuff's written in my notes didn't even know the songs we would sing God's up to something church God's up to something Listen to what he's telling us. I, I, want, I want to hear from you right now, physically, out loud, verbally. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Jesus very clearly says, give up your own way. Yep. That's surrender. <laughs> See, there's a difference between raising your hand because you want to and someone sticking a gun in your back. If you feel that barrel right there, your hands are doing this, right? You're not going to be like, yeah, what do you want? No, it's, whoa, okay, I'm not moving. What do you want? Take my wallet, take my money, take my car. Just leave me alone. Okay, that's called surrender. So here's what Jesus says. If you want to be my follower, you face me and you do this. He's not sticking a gun in their back. It's an invitation. Will you lay down your life for me? It's that surrender. And he's like, this is the only way. Our lives are this. Not just in worship, church. Our lives are this. I am facing Jesus and I am in full surrender. 
giving up my way. So when Jesus says, you'll take up your cross, listen to what he's saying. Remember this, church, that in that day, they knew what the cross meant and they knew that it was a life sentence of execution because the people paraded through the streets regularly by the Roman law and authority to their death. And the death sentence was, you went from the judgment hall to that mountain outside the city where you would be nailed to a cross and you would die. Jesus was not the one and only one. This was a regular occurrence in their culture. Therefore, everyone Jesus was talking to knew exactly what he was saying when he said, take up your cross daily. In other words, carry that cross everywhere you go all the time. Think about it. Just put that picture in your mind. He is saying you are now carrying a death sentence to you. Yeah. A death sentence to you. Every day. The surrender of self is a daily event. Why is it a daily event? You don't have to get up in the morning and say, Dear God, please save me and forgive me for my sins and I want to have a relationship with you. That's not what he's saying. He says every day you've got to get up and carry a cross. There's a decision we have to make that we're going to follow Jesus or we're going to follow self. We follow Jesus by following the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will not speak anything that is not of me, for me, and about me. Therefore, we are followers of Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit is now in us and I am choosing daily to follow Him. I can choose today not to. And so can you. And that's why Jesus said daily. Daily. That is why it's so important for you and I to begin our day with God. Because if you avoid God in the morning, pretty good chance you're only carrying your own self and not the cross through the day. Then we try and collect everything before we fall asleep at night. And usually that collection is, oh God, I screwed up again. Please forgive me. Right? Because see, once I start my days with self, it just steamrolls. There was a time in my life, a regular occurrence, where my wife would just simply say something to me. Did you pray yet today? (laughs) There was a reason she was asking. Because, see, old Dave starts to come out when I don't spend that time with God and make sure he's buried and dead. Did you pray yet today? Now, immediately I want to say, yeah, I'm praying for you right now. You know, I have all kinds of really smart comments I can make right there. Yeah, I'm praying for you to change. I'm praying for a bridle on that tongue of yours. I'm I'm praying that God... You know, I mean, I can say yes to that comment. And I could be right. But I already know I'm wrong. So I look at this and it's like, man, God, you're you're calling us to this every day. So now we're going to just look at this for a second. This is not a depressing message of you're dead. You know, get over yourself and move on. This is a moment of life. Resurrection life in our life. So we're going to look at Jesus for a minute and what this truly meant and what he lived through to experience this life of full surrender to the Father. I hope that you know that Jesus had to surrender his will. He did. Just like you and I do. See, he did everything you and I have to do as a human being in flesh. He did it for you and I so that we could 
in our flesh be who he died to make us. Man, that is such an amazingly powerful truth. Listen, here it is, the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the setting, Jesus is there. He knows that the Last Supper's taken place. He's with the disciples in this place that he regularly goes to to pray and be with the Father. We're reading in Mark 14. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Church, I'm sorry, but I mean, that just like crushes me because I know what he was carrying and it was me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I look at that and I'm like, man, I've often said, and I've preached it for Easter and stuff, you know, the true death of Jesus Christ happened at the garden, not on Mount Calvary. It was here that he surrendered everything. Now, we know the story. I know you do, but I just want to say this to you. See that he prayed that prayer and he went back to his friends and like, come on, wake up. I need you to pray for me. I need you to join with me in agreement right now. He's going to the Father and saying like, is there any other? He already knew there wasn't, but his flesh was crying out. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to go there. I don't want to have to experience what I'm about to experience. Church, what he was going to experience is holy pure, righteous perfection given up and in its place wretched sin yours and mine poured into him into him, not just on him and he became sin for us I mean there is no comprehension for you and I of this Holy God becoming sin for you and I. And as Jesus looked at that, he saw the brokenness of my life and yours and every human being, every human being. I mean, there is no way you and I can comprehend it. I mean, I'm jacked up when I look at my own life in the past and I I realize the brokenness that happened to me because of my sin in my life. I know the things I dealt with and what frustrated me and the things in my flesh and all the wars that were going on in my mind and my body. And I look at that and I'm like, God, you took all of that into your holiness. No comprehension. None of us, church, none of us can comprehend that. No. But as I read this scripture, see, that's why when Jesus went and looked at it, he looked at our lives. Seriously, he looked at the sin of our lives. And he was like, God, you can do anything, please. Anything other than this. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this away. Make another way. And then he ends that, right? I want your will to be done, not mine. See, this is the death of self that Jesus is calling us into. Not just calling us into, he said, if you're going to be my follower, you have to die so that I might live in you. 
We can't cohabitate. Church, he can't cohabitate with me and him as God. Only one of us will be God. And the surrender of myself requires me to get out of God's way and allow him to sit on the throne of my life and be the God of my life every day. So the surrender of self to the Father is the very thing that allowed Jesus, please hear this, to stand before his accusers silent. All that they were saying were lies. And he stood in silence. Why? The surrender to the will of the Father and not self. Self wants to defend itself. Self wants to make a declaration of why they're wrong and I'm right. Self wants to say, you're wrong, I'm right. This is why you're wrong. I can justify this. I can show you. And he stood in silence only because his will was surrendered to the Father. The only way he could take the beatings that were not his beatings, they were mine and yours, is because he surrendered his life and his will to the Father. The only way that he could lay down on that cross after carrying it being beaten and rejected and spit upon and lay there and say, Father, don't lay this sin upon them. They don't know what they're doing. The only way he could ever pray that prayer is the surrender of self to the will of the Father. The whole while he was innocent. (laughs) I mean, come on man, Jesus is the one who gave us press. God's word says that. In the very beginning, it was he who gave us life. Going back to that original text of Jesus' teaching, we were reading in Luke 9, listen to it. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself are lost or destroyed? See, Jesus is clearly, very clearly teaching us there is nothing in life that is more important than the surrender of my life to the will of the Father. Nothing. No person, no career, no material possessions. There is nothing in life more important than the surrender of my life to the will of the Father. Nothing. No one. Come on, church. I I see people look... I'm going to be just straight up with you and tell you that, you know, I watch people come in from the Gospel Rescue Mission. You guys have been with us for several years. I hope you hear me right when I say this to you because I love you. But some of them are not yet done with the program, the process, the full surrender, and I see them with someone of the opposite sex beginning a relationship, and I'm like, it's over. And most of the time, they're gone. They begin to depend upon one another, and they leave in their brokenness, and they're not fixed, surrendered, and following the will of the Father, and they're gone. I've seen it over and over again. You can argue with me and say, you're you're the exception to the rule. I'm going to tell you that you're probably not. I, that's not to discourage you, church. I'm telling you it happens in the church as well. I'm just not that attentive to what's going on there. I, I try and intentionally go and be with you all from the gospel. We love you. I want you to know that with all of our heart. We love you, and we're so glad that God brought you here. Seriously. 
You get your eyes off Jesus and someone, anyone, and you're jacked up, just telling you straight up. I don't care who you are. So as we look in God's word and we see this, see, God's telling us something. It's not about a person, a career, or material stuff. You got to give it all to him. I have seen so many people lose their way because their job took them to someplace else or something else. I'm not talking about just leaving this church. I hope you know what I mean. I'm saying like God just does something in their life. They're transformed. They begin to serve him. God, of course, just resurrects and rebuilds their life. And as soon as their life starts to get something going, there is this temptation that comes. Why don't you do this? You can have this. You can go here. You can have that. You got to do this though. And it costs. And they disappear from their regular routine of prayer, Bible reading, and worship as the family of God. And pretty soon their life is out there and wrecked, even if they have stuff. That's everybody, church. That's not a message to the Gospel Rescue Mission people. That's all of us. Like we get our eyes off Jesus and we're done. So we don't want to get the wrong idea about the Christian life and carrying the cross. It's not a death march of, woe is me, I'm a Christian. I've lived with some of those people, and they're miserable. <laughs> not in my personal house. My wife's not one of them, so don't misunderstand me. <laughs> I am talking about the church I grew up in and some of the people that have been a part of every congregation that I've pastored. They see the Christian life as a death march of woe is me. This soon will pass. I'll be in glory. Thank God I'll be out of here because this life sucks. Look, this life doesn't suck. It's amazing. I mean, God created us in the very beginning for this life with him, right? You understand that, right? I mean, heaven is a remake of what we screwed up. God's intention was for us to have a relationship with him while we live here. And that relationship is still possible through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my life doesn't suck. Some people around me do. (laughs) Stuff that's happening does. No, I want you to hear me. My life is awesome. I love God and I love my life. That doesn't mean everything that's going on is great. No, come on. It's not. Are there issues? Of course. But I have joy in me because of what God has done for me in me and and, and he is doing in me, right? So I can enjoy the life God's given to me. And so the death march that God is calling me to, I have learned, took me a while, that it is through the death of myself that I actually experience life. Why? Why? Because see, that's exactly what he was telling us. Jesus says you surrender, that's the death, then you're allowed to come to life through God and live in the fullness of what God intends for us in that intimate, personal relationship with the Creator. When Paul wrote about the baptism in John 6, he said, remember, we're buried with Him. And we come up with the power of God to live a new life. To live a new life. Actual life. Church, it requires me dying so he can live. The the reason Jesus said daily is there's a the fact of the matter is you are gonna face temptations every single day of your life. This is where a lot of people get confused and messed up in their theology. We interpret temptation as sin. Temptation is not sin. Jesus faced temptation and he was sinless. The Word of God says He faced temptations just like you and I do. Whatever temptation you've been tempted with, Jesus was tempted. For real. But He rejected the temptation and stayed pure with God. 
Therefore, when I get up in the morning, I know that I'm going to face garbage in this world because it's full of garbage. Sin has tainted everything out here. Therefore, the enemy is constantly bombarding me trying to get self back involved and not Christ. Because if I don't die daily and take my cross with me, Dave will engage in flesh and sin and brokenness instead of deliverance and power and freedom. Daily, church. Every single day I have to face the fact that it is self that has to be surrendered. And if I don't, then I'm going to absolutely become the old self. I'm going to become self-centered. And I'm going to become sin-driven and I'm going to end up broken. See, this death to self was what we read about in Galatians chapter 2. Listen to this. It's beautiful. My old self has been crucified with Christ. You've read that scripture, right? So he's saying like, hey, I had to die with Jesus, literally taking up my cross. He's saying like, there I am. I see myself dead with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that awesome? You see that? He's saying like, there's new life in me. Yes, I had to die so that I could experience true life, the real life God intended for me, and it's the life that Christ has purchased for me. Now God lives in me. This is true life. And it's the only place true life is found. And many of us are struggling in this war with death and life. And you need to surrender and die. (laughs) Jesus talked about this when he was talking about being the shepherd and the sheep, being his followers in John 10. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Can we own that? See, we see here that he's saying like the surrender of life to him is where freedom begins. It's crazy how the enemy has deceived us to think, just like he did Adam and Eve in the beginning, that my right to choose is where my freedom is. My right to choose is where my death is. My control is where death is. Me making decisions in my life is where my death is. God has called us to surrender all of that, all of me, everything about me. I surrender it to Him. And this is where I begin to live. This is where He says, you freely come and go. You can live in this world that I have for you. And there is freedom found there. And I will provide for you. That's what He just told us, right? A rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfied... Are you satisfied? See, we've been driven by our culture that we aren't satisfied and there's something more. There's something better. And I'm driven to succeed in some capacity because if I can get to that level, I'll be better. I followed that for a while, even as a Christian. I did. And I kept getting this job or this promotion while I was pastor and I had these things. And pretty soon I was making a lot of money in my secular work 
and offered another position. And back then would have been a six-figure job, right? They were like, we want you to be a branch manager. Please come and work here. I, I want you to know this in a good way. I had already surrendered this because of what I'd seen God doing. And I was like, wow, God, you know what? It doesn't matter how much I get. It's gone. It's gone. It is. I didn't like, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. This is the point. When that guy came to me and said, we want to offer this to you. We're going to send you to school. We'll do this. We'll do this. I'm like, nope, not going to happen. I said, I mean, no disrespect to you or anything. He said, but God's got a call in my life and I'm going to become a pastor. I'm pastoring right now. And God's called me to this for the rest of my life. And so I'm not going to go do that. Man, did he get mad. He was furious with me. I saw that and he was just like, who pays your bills? I said, well, God does. He was so mad. He turned around and walked away. Yeah, he didn't talk to me for my last two weeks there. I put in my two-week notice. I was done. I was just like, okay, God, I'm all in on this. I'm done with this. I'm all yours. I'm not telling you to go quit your job. Don't misunderstand me. <laughs> there were things that God was talking to me about leading me to this moment in my life of surrender. What I did is I took a lesser job with less pay because I needed time. I was dying physically because of the demands on my life and I couldn't do everything that I was being asked to do. I couldn't physically. I was, I was going to die if I kept going for real. And God's like, you done yet? You done yet? <laughs> Seriously. It was all that. I'm like, I, I can do this, God. We got it. Let's go. No, Dave, you done yet? <laughs> I got to get done here. church uh, I've told you this before but I just feel like I gotta tell you this see because in the midst of that like I would I'm not doing this as a brag this is my stupidity I was pastor in a church Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night services three different messages every single week I didn't copy anybody's I was writing them right I was going to school two nights a week to be a pastor while I was pastoring the church we had two kids in the house at that time I was working a secular job I was managing a department at a place. I was living on between four and five hours of sleep a night if I could. And at two o'clock in the morning, I remember sitting there in the bed and I just came, I woke up crying uncontrollably. And then it turned to laughter, back to tears, back to laughter. And Kim was freaking out. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to call an ambulance. I said, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, this is how stupid we can be, right? I'm like, no, 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 you're not calling ambulance. I'm fine. Through the tears and the laughter, I was telling her I'm fine. And I just, like, I could not control myself. I don't even know how long it happened. And while that was going on, and I'm having a conversation with her, God's talking in the back of my head saying, this is not what I want for you. This is not what I'm asking for. Church, I want you to hear me because, see, in my flesh, I thought, I'm doing everything you want me to do. I'm pastoring a church. I'm being a faithful husband. I'm being a father. I'm working this job. I'm sharing Jesus with everybody I know. I mean, I could check the boxes. And I was killing myself. The whole while, trying to do for God what he was asking me to do was just Dave, surrender. So, you know... Y'all, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about because when that happens and you have that release, 
like your body's about to give out. So like it does give out. <sighs> yeah, no, it's like, no, I didn't have a nervous breakdown. I don't know what I had. It was a psychotic episode. No, it was a spiritual battle that was happening inside of me. And so like in my mind, as I was going through this, I'm saying, you're right, God, you didn't plan this for me. You're right. I'm going to change. I'm going to do it different. I will. I didn't. No, I felt better the next day because all that stuff had been released. So I felt free. So I I convinced myself that God and I were doing this together and everything was okay. And a few months later, the exact same thing happened. Okay, so it was God saying like, Dave, you want to die, you're going to do it your way. You're going to surrender. In that moment, I'm like, God, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. You're right. I'm wrong. This isn't about doing for you. This is about me surrendering to you. This is to know what you want for me to do whatever you say. I began to understand things in a whole different light. I told Kim, like, we're done with this. I am done, babe. We're, we're changing. Began to look for a different occupation that could help us go through. I said, look, it's going to cost us. You understand that. I hope you know that it's going to cost us. I mean that in the wrong way. I, I hope you understand what I mean. I mean, it was going to physically, materially cost us to do this surrender. Okay, we're in. She was a lot better at it than I am. God provided a job for me. That's when I went and told them, I'm done. I gave him my two weeks notice. That's when they came to me and said, we already were planning this. Please come and be a part of what we're doing. See how the devil works? We're offering you a six-figure job. Come to us. I lived poor all my life. I didn't want to do that to my wife and kids. There was this enemy saying, I got the world's stuff. Come to me. It wasn't even a temptation. Like, no way, man. I've been there. No, God, I'm, I'm done. I give up. I surrender. I'm done. That's why I was like, nope. God's got me. I'm done. Way more to the story, church, but I want you to hear me. Living in the surrender to self is where true freedom is found. That is not the last time I've surrendered. Trust me. I have lived a life of surrender, trust, and obedience to God. He continues to bring me to places. I have to give up stuff still. I don't even know what it all is, but I know it's coming. See, like he's saying, will you? Yes, Lord. That's all he's asking. Will you? Yes, Lord. So what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. People are living in obedience to God right here in this church right now. We are listening to God and God is moving. So here's what's going to happen. So I don't want you to get lost in the moment. People are going to leave here because they don't want to live that way. People are not going to come back here. And they'll have every excuse and reason. They'll blame people. They'll blame stuff. They'll blame music. They'll even blame God and say, oh, God's calling me somewhere else. No, he's not. No. He's calling us to obedience. When God calls someone to go somewhere else, God not only does that, he affirms it, but if you notice in in the book of Acts, when God was calling someone from the church to go somewhere to do something, he affirmed it in the church leadership along with them. Yeah. It's not your own little thing. It's not me. Don't misunderstand me. God affirms what he's doing and we all come in agreement. And then what the church did is they laid hands on them, blessed them and sent them out. You know, in all the years of ministry, I have only had that privilege for two people. The rest of the people just leave. If God's in it, why can't you just come and say so? 
Come on. I'm serious. Why? Why? You know why? Because we don't want to face it. It's easier to run. No, it's not. That's self. That's flesh. We run because we don't want to be obedient. Man, I can't tell you how many people have told me, well, God's calling me to do this. Look, I want everyone in this room and everyone online to understand this. God is not bipolar. He doesn't call you to something today, call you to something next week and next month, and it's all different. That's you. Stop trying to blame God for your emotional run. Seriously, man. I, you, I cannot tell you how many times so, God's telling me to do this. Great, do it. Hey, I'm not doing that because God said to do this. And I'm like, that doesn't even go with that. What do you? No, this is why I'm, I'm over here now. Come on. What is God saying? God is a God of perfection and order. Amen. He's moving. Live in obedience, church. In Romans, he writes this, Paul writes to the church, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus tell us that we have to die daily, carry the cross? Come on, it's all through there. It's in the word of God. He's saying to us, don't let sin control the way you live. You need to pick up that cross in the morning and you have to be determined. I'm all in. I'm all yours. I'm living for you, God. I will not give in to that sinful world that is calling to me. I'm all yours. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. This is the Bible, church. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. See, there's some reason we think we can just do what we want out there, and it's okay. Well, I'm all right in my heart, and and God and I have this relationship going on, but I'm living out there in sin. No, you're not. That's God's word. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. This is the word of God I'm reading. This isn't Dave's theology or ideas here. People, I'm reading God's word. Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. We're out of time. Church, God's amazing. There's more. So, so much more. But I learned something when I was young. There was an old preacher that came to our church and he said, I'd rather quit when they want me to do more than to keep going when they want me to quit. (laughs) The altar's open. Stand with me. (laughs) Not that I know you want me to go on, but hey. God's faithful, isn't he? He's brought us to this moment. Man, I got to read that scripture. I'm sorry, but here you go. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Father, here we are. 
It is your word that you have spoken to us today, and we know it, God. You are so faithful. God, I want to humbly say thank you for what you are doing. Anything that's happening here is not because of David. It's all because of you. It's not because of the worship team, the tech team, the nursery. It's not because of any of us. It's only because of you, God. And God, we give you glory for what you are doing, and we ask you to continue, Lord. Lord, we surrender ourself, our ideas, our ideals, what we think of people around us, what we think of this world. God, we surrender. We surrender. Thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, God. (sighs) When we invite you to the altar, I gotta just like tell you that this is not like all these people aren't like pagan sinners and they've been living a lie in front of you just so you know that church the the devil's a liar and he's like he tries to do this stuff with us I don't care who you are or why you come when the Holy Spirit prompts you obedience man run to this altar who cares what people think who cares I don't care what position you have or who you are I confess right in front of you I get on my knees I don't care like we need God so desperately Church, we've got to surrender and die out to self. It's about Him, not about us. He's calling. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness. Thank you. Continue to move, God. We continue to surrender. Thank you for that freedom and that life that you give us, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We praise you today. Praise you today. (laughs) yeah thank you Lord isn't he awesome amen thank you Lord thank you Lord he's so awesome